Okay, we'll just start with your gum chewing. <laughs> no, no mother what this week? No, he's off. What is up, everybody? How you living? How you doing? It is episode 148 of the Sims and Lefko podcast. What type of gum are you chewing? Minty gum. Minty gum. You would never Ugh. have bubblegum flavored gum. Not this time of the day. Oh, you, you certain times of the day require certain flavors. Yeah, like the day's over, later in the day, man, I might stick a whole pack of Big Lee Chew in my mouth. <laughs> that gum, I know what it is, too. That's like 40 seconds in flavors. Yeah, gone. I mean, it gives you a headache after about three minutes. Yeah, because it's mean, just my jaw. It's, it's, again, gum is one of those things my wife reminds me of all the time that we put in our body that full of chemicals. I mean, it's full of yeah, like, What oh, is it? Right. Let's get on. Oh, my breath is better. Oh, where does it go when we throw it away in the garbage? Oh, we just stick it in the garbage and I don't know what oh, the hell happens Think about this. It. Think about walking down New York City oh, and right. there's just little UFO saucers of gum that was there from like eight years ago. Everywhere. And it never disappears. Al Capone chewed gum right here. Yeah, and the only way it goes away <laughs> is they come out with like a super blaster and like peel it up. Right. And, and can you imagine when people are like, oh, I swallowed gum. And you're like, ugh. Remember yeah. when Lefko almost shoved your face into the Seattle gum wall. Oh, it's an oh, all-time. Wow. It's an all-time video. All-time. Yeah. That, that was, was disgusting. Yes, I think they've taken they've it taken all down. They have. Good yeah. thing. And really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Probably because it's not it's sanitary. It cannot be sanitary. Sims, you were so appalled. You were like, "This is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my entire life." Because you're the, one of the bigger germaphobes I've ever. For heard. a city that's got all a lot of great things, and I love Seattle. And I mean, hey, you can <laughs> smoke weed and walk around the streets. It's awesome. But, but the chew gum wall is disgusting, and it's not even a wall. It's I, like a tunnel. I always wonder when and does it that, smells like people's musty breath. When does that go from this is disgusting to this is a landmark? Man. Because before it was a landmark. It was just it was, people chewing gum. and there's, there's a huge issue of people sticking gum on the wall. And then the next day it was like, breaking news. This is our staple. Space needle chewed gum. We have a ridiculous show today. Sims has given me his notebook. We're going to die into what actually happened in the wild card games, uh, all four ones. We are going to look at some of the coaching movements and front office changes. I mean, Seattle and Green Bay. This is what we wanted. No. This is what we wanted. We wanted new coaches. I just don't think they gave us what we wanted. <laughs> uh. And you're apparently in a feud with a possible future Hall of Famer. We're going to get to that in a second. God, does he know, doesn't he know how... Poetically, my dad, dad talked about him last week. It, Isn't that funny? Fa- the fact that we spent an entire segment talking about how Tony Baselli needs to be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame, and then Tony Baselli wants to fight you the same <laughs> week is unbelievable. We might need Sims and Lefko Nation to come down to Florida with us for like an Anchorman style brawl. We have pitchforks. You better watch out messing with me. I know people. Look, I'm getting a lot of Twitter messages that are like, if we need to fight Baselli, we will do it. Uh, so hold on. We, we want to talk about NCAA championship game. Yes. Unbelievable. Alabama, Georgia, to put in a backup kid after halftime, Tua goes out there and I went, wow, SEC quarterbacks can throw the ball. This is wild. Right. But to do that on that stage is borderline crazy. I mean, kahunas of kahunas. Uh, To make that move. Saban or Tua? Saban. And both. You're right. But first, Saban. The fact that you go, huh, we've been the number one team in the country all year with this guy, number two at quarterback, and the first half of the game didn't look good, so I'm going to make the move to a freshman quarterback? That was 
one of the moves of the that I can one of the moves of the century right there. Wow. That, I, I, it makes me wonder why he wasn't in first, and I had heard all the rumors that right. he wanted to transfer, but that was the reason I picked Georgia, because Hurst couldn't throw, sure. and Fromm could, and then, right. oh, I didn't know the backup was the next coming of Russell Wilson. Right, I, I know. And the best is Saban in halftime, too, because like, I love Saban. Saban's like a more uh, more exciting Bill Belichick, right? You know you're going to get like this direct, boring answer, but Saban's not boring, cause because he's so he's, matter of fact. because he's in college, yeah. and college coaches are the emperors. Yes, you're you know, right. There's, like, Belichick still has to answer to some people, there's no one bigger in no. the state of Alabama. No, than he's the man. You're yeah. right about that. I mean, we went to I went to the Senior Bowl a few years ago, and there's all these NFL coaches there, and Nick Saban got to a police escort onto the field <laughs> with the car, like the car drove onto the field, just tearing up, turf. and they let him get out right there. And like you know, there's like you know other court, Super Bowl winning coaches there, like damn, I can't even get on the field, let yeah. alone that. Unbelievable. But that was an amazing game. Okay. I, the SEC once again, like. Just, I'm amazed at the physicality and the size of the SEC in general. Um, those two running backs, especially Sony Michelle. I mean, whoever's recruiting running backs to Georgia, yeah, they got it. It's like Jaguars wide receivers. Man, they, yeah, for Sony Michelle to stop on a dime and tightrope down that sideline, he's line, special, very. And your dude from Philly is special. The oh kid yeah, seven. DeAndre Swift. Yes. He's going to be a star. It's unbelievable how they just pluck whoever they want mm. all over the place. Uh, your man Gruden, let's do some coaches before we get into some numbers. Your man Gruden's staff has come out. Yeah. Defensive coordinator Paul Gunther, special teams Rich Passaccia, offensive coordinator Greg Olson. I went, Greg Olson? Yeah. Greg Olson was the Raiders OC when Carr first started, then went to Jacksonville, got fired because like Bortles is his quarterback. Right. And then he was just the quarterback coach with the Rams. Yes. But it just seems like it's the gang getting back together from Tampa Bay. It is. I, I think that's exactly it. And it's people Gruden trust. Those are people that also love Gruden. Yeah. Uh, you know I have a, a a great amount of respect for Rich Bisaccia. I think he's one of the best special teams coaches in football. And I really like uh, Greg Olson, too. Greg mm. Olson was one of the better coaches I was ever around. He was. And he is not afraid to, you know, he's just got a good way about him. I think he's perfect for Gruden because Gruden can be brutal and yeah, mean Gruden's and demanding. Right. But Olson could be the guy in the quarterback room to be like okay i mean i know he's a little crazy but let's be realistic here about what really happened don't worry you'll be you know he'll be the calming voice which is yes. nice uh terrell austin's gonna replace gunther in cincinnati mm. which is a great hire great hire marvin lewis terrell austin baltimore ravens right. lineage back together right eric b becomes the new chiefs offensive coordinator former running back good coach. for him uh john dorsey hires elliot wolf yeah. as the browns assistant gm so now you have the, like the guy that built the chiefs and the new up-and-coming guy from the packers going right. to the browns right so they go from the mets gm to like Two guys, one that's a staple, one up and coming. Pretty good for the Browns. Pretty good. I mean, Dorsey's got Green Bay background too, so it's all it all fits. I mean, it's amazing that that little, you know, Green Bay West Coast relationship. I mean, those are all Kansas City yeah. people, the Eagles, yeah. you guys. Uh, it's all in the, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it's yeah. all that same group and regime that just they recycle each other. They got a process. All right, before we get to Seahawks, Panthers, and Giants, I want to do 48. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. 48's in the game right now. Uh, First of all, nothing. Rutgers. I got nothing, and I don't want to I don't want to waste any time if I don't have a good one. 48, I always go to the first. I don't. I, I appreciate you. Oh, but hey. you know what we can talk about? My man Steve Peichel got a contract extension today. He will be the coach of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights basketball team. Uh, we don't know the terms of the deal yet, but this is a big deal. Did you deal. know that Good. that was the name of the Rutgers coach? I did. Like he, I wouldn't have been able to call it offhand. What but was when he the said little it, school he coached before he came there? Stony Brook. And they had like some run. Right. Well, yeah, and they beat Rutgers last week, last week of December. Rutgers <laughs> lost to Stony Brook and Hartford back-to-back last week of December. Damn. 
totally fucked the season up. God damn. I mean, it's really that's tough, dude. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I would appreciate Jordan's some more positive. genuine emotion. I could give two okay. shits. Yeah. 48. That's fine. Move 48. on. I always go to my dad's old team first. Kenny Hill, great safety for the Giants, number 48. That's yep. the first guy I think of. Um, 48, Von Bell right now, right, yes. with the New Orleans Saints. Um, a big game. Uh, he did. Let's see. Another 48. Man, I know I'm going to miss some obvious ones here, but I can't think of any other ones. One offensive player, tight end Marquise Gray of the Miami Dolphins. Mm. Four guys you might not know. Three guys you might not know. Baltimore linebacker Patrick Onwasu. Uh, Cleveland linebacker Jeremy Cash. Kansas City linebacker Terrence Smith. Giants linebacker Akeem Ayers. Green Bay linebacker Joe Thomas. Uh, let's see if you can get these. Denver Broncos. Oh, Shaquille Barrett. Um, Damn, good New job. New York Jets. Oh, uh, it's not Jenkins. It is, it is Jenkins. Jenkins. Okay, sorry. And Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, uh, Bud Dupree. There you go. Yeah, that's a good 48. Uh, all times, uh, Cleveland running back in the 60s NFL champ, Ernie Green. Uh, let's see if you know these. New York Jets, safety, early 90s, last name Washington, first name. Oh, gosh. Brian. I, Brian Washington. I wouldn't have got that. And yeah. then a cornerback with a 15-year career from the 80s and 90s, Oakland Rams, Denver, Lionel Washington. Oh, uh, man. One of our favorite fullbacks was in here recently. One of our favorite. Cowboys. Oh, Moose. That's Darryl right. Daryl Moose Johnston. Yeah, he's probably the most famous 48 there is. Philadelphia seven, a safety in the 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s, 48. Wild Wes Hopkins. Oh my gosh, Wes! Co- I thought he was forty six. I would have never got that. Really? So I thought he was forty six too. Oh, man. No, that was uh, that was uh, Herm Herm Edwards. Right. Uh, San Diego safety a little bit recently. Terrence Keel, mm-hmm. and then I think my favorite forty eight, Stephen Davis. Oh, he was running good one. back for the Carolina Panthers and Washington Redskins. Stephen Davis is one of those guys. My rookie year, the first time I saw him, I was like, holy! He was definitely in the holy shit category. Like, holy shit, he is big and. Holy shit, his feet are good. Like yeah. that was, He was one of those guys. He had like four years out of five where he had like over 1,300 yards he rushing. Was, he was really special. Who was the one right before Stephen Davis? Terrence Keel. Oh, Terrence Keel, my old, yeah, Texas A&M player. Uh, Texas right. A&M. Right. Uh, NBA, Nazi Muhammad wore it for three seasons. Major League Baseball, Torrey Hunter, Pablo Sandoval, and your favorite middle reliever, Phil Coke. Oh, good old Phil Coke. Love him. Love him. Great. Uh, all right, so we always do, before I get to the coaches, we're going to do uh, something about Kyle Shanahan, our, our favorite, favorite coach. coach in the NFL, <laughs> Amendment number 2. Uh, Seth Wickersham, the one that reported that ESPN story, was in a phone interview and expounded on Kyle, oh, saying okay. when Kyle got the Niners gig at the Combine, he met Bill Belichick. They didn't know each other, and I think they met to talk about the Super Bowl. I think that's a very difficult for someone something for someone to lose a Super Bowl and then go visit a person who helped engineer that. I think that showed Belichick a lot. It made me want to ask you a question. Yeah. How has Kyle handled mistakes in the past? Is he someone that's been able to go, I can learn from this? Or has he been an ego person that's kind of been like, that was my players and execution. No, he is. It's the great thing about Kyle is he's extremely accountable. He really is. Now, he might explain a reason why he did something to go, like, I did this because I was scared of this, yeah. but I still shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Like yeah. he, He's very good that way. It's, that's why where he is where he is. He's, not, he's smart enough to realize he doesn't have all the answers, mm. and he's willing to learn and do it. And I think there's always a Shanahan-Belichick respect factor. 
even with Mike. The and article Bill. talked about Mike Shanahan and how he always did well against Belichick. He did, and Bill was he was a pain in the ass to Bill. And I can still remember the story uh, when they lost to them in what the 2006 playoff game. Remember the game that Champ Bailey returned the 99 yard touchdown yes. interception, got tackled at the one by Ben, ben Watson? Watson. Right after that game, I can still remember the Shanahan's telling me and, and knowing that like Belichick after the game came over to find Mike Shanahan in the locker room after the game wow. to talk ball to kind of ask him questions things like that so. I feel like at the combine Belichick is this guy that walks down the hallway and other coaches sort of go I'm not going to talk to him unless he comes to me yeah which is not going to happen which is so how do you think the Kyle Belichick thing went down because and the, I'm sure being called in to talk to him, you're kind of like, holy crap, co- I've been chosen. Coaches are scared. No, I bet you Kyle asked them. Flat you think out. so? Yes. All Bill right, is well, not as Kyle scary to people as everybody thinks he really is. Like Bill would take the time, no matter what coach you are in the NFL, yeah. to come. Now, you're not going to find Bill in the bar like the rest of the coaches hanging out. You're not going to find any of the New England coaches doing that. They're different than the other 31. They're not there for like you know spring break hour. Like, oh, this is spring break, and we're going to watch a few guys can, work I out. I can put some brooms on the them. team tab. Yeah, right. That's literally what the rest of the, the, the NFL is doing. That's all, all the people that I hear that work in media. Yes. It's really great. You really get to meet like the eighth-level scout at the local pub. That's what like, it is. It's where a lot of relationships. I don't know. If I were to go there, I'd want to talk to Bill. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of relationships and bullshit, and Bill is not going to make himself handy to those situations. Oh, yeah, any Joe Schmo come up. But if you're in that stadium, right, yeah. to watch the workouts, and he was walking down a, a, a hallway in Lucas Oil Stadium— yeah, if you went up to him and said yes, like, hey, coach, I'd like to, you know, you if got like go 10 combine, minutes for me. I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, no and way. I think Kyle <laughs> would go up to him. Kyle would, Kyle would no, just go up to him, get him on the podcast. I just thought, <laughs> quick, exactly. Quick five minute interview, Bill. No big deal. I, I just think it's funny, too, with Kyle and Bill. It's funny how when you're a young coach and you're called cocky and arrogant, but then if you start winning, now you're genius yes. and focused. Right. And it's just, it's going to be very funny to watch with Kyle, who was the brat that couldn't get a coach. Yes. Now he's being endorsed by Belichick, engineering like the best second half in the NFL. Right. And now all of a sudden he's a genius with his finger on the pulse of what gets I, it done in the NFL. It's very funny. It is. It's frustrating. Uh, yeah, but that's the way it is. Yep. Packers. So they finally get rid of their GM. They finally move on from their OC. They get a new DC, too, and we're sitting there going, finally, Rodgers is going to get some help. They promote their director of player personnel to GM. Mike Pettin is now their new DC. And Joe Philbin is the offensive coordinator. I know. <laughs> I mean, Philbin's from there already. Already right. I mean, that's where he came from. That's how Aaron he got Rogers the job. Aaron Rodgers already got him a job, and he lost that one. That's my point, though. They don't know what they don't even know up there as far as— It sucks. I, I get it. The only thing is, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, they've obviously admitted that there was dysfunction in the front office because they've all said now that they're going to, what, they're all going to report to Mark Murphy, right, for the first time ever. Why weren't they doing that ever before? Exactly right. It sounds like the Russ Ball guy, right, that there was definitely an issue there relationship-wise with Mike McCarthy, so he doesn't have to deal with that. So they're all, I I guess, now finally going to get on the same page. They're making the comments that they're going to be more aggressive in free agency. So at least that's a good thing, certainly. I'm a little surprised they didn't go outside the building. I mean, But then again, I'm not. 
I know you're not. You're right. <laughs> I know. I thought this was going to be the time they were. I guess that's why I'm that's surprised. That's why we were happy about the the Seahawks and the Packers not making the playoffs. They're finally going to make a change. They're finally going to bring in some outside people, and they bring in these boring retreads. I mean, when you think of the least inspiring hire for OC, Joe Philbin's name popped up. Oh, but he's I, a human pinky toe. He's, he's. I trust him. And he's a good worker. And that's what they all say. I trust him. I mean, I could tell him the sky's red, and he's going to go tell everybody it's red. Just what I wanted to do, because I'm a dictator. That's what they do. After seven seasons? Mike Pettin, though, yeah. is a good hire. Yeah, that's not bad. Mike Pettin's It'll a good hire. It'll be a lot hire. more disciplined. Fucking A. Mike Pettin went 7-9 and nine with the Browns. Fuck you. I mean, that's yeah. a Super Bowl win. All right. It's just, you I'm know. not saying it to you. I'm just saying to all those people, because yeah. I've heard the same thing. Like, Mike Pettin, yeah. Yeah. I mean, After seven seasons, the Seahawks fired Daryl Bevel. Didn't think the day would come. We had people in our comments section and our mentions going, praise the Lord, it has come. Daryl Bevel has moved on. You know who's rumored to take the job? Not Steve Sarkeesian. No. Okay. Well, no, Dan Quinn came out and said that's not okay, happening. Uh, Tom Cable is the rumor right oh, now. Oh, my God. I mean... <laughs> It's, I don't Sims. This was it. That's what I'm telling you. This was Rodgers and Russell Wilson because Tom Cable. Something. Like I know, like all the like because Tom Cable's probably talking shit about Daryl Bevel in meetings. I agree. I don't know what it is, but I mean, what can make you go? Oh, Tom Cable, you've done such a great job with our offensive line the last few years. We need to He's promote the you. Only coach that's allowed to say injuries are a factor to keep his job. You're pretty much right. I, you're exactly right. It's amazing how some coaches don't get that. And some do. I'll blow your brain. Blow Last one. So the Panthers, they fire Mike Shula and Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Do you hear who's interviewing for offensive coordinator with Carolina? Do you have you heard this? No. Norv Turner. (laughs) I'm not mad at that. I am. Why? Because when you are an offensive coordinator and your head coach and Mike Zimmer comes in and goes, Norv, your offense sucks. And that offensive coordinator's reaction is, well, then I quit. You don't get to coach again. If you can't handle coaching and your response is, I quit, you're going to go down there and work with Cam Newton? Hi, North Turner. Listen, I want you to look up 1995. <laughs> I mean, we're still talking about Troy Aikman with North Turner. I know. His offense sucked in San Diego, and I know that you're kind of close with the family, and you're not going to say anything. That's no, totally but, fine. no, it's not but the it reason why. It didn't in suck in San Diego. It did not suck in San Diego. They went to, you're they were really over. good. But but Minnesota has struggled. Bad. You're right. And I would question how much it will evolve or if it has evolved. But these retreads. I get it's it. It's the same fucking uh, names. I know. And I got my friends saying, hey, who's a good offensive coordinator for Russell Wilson? And I'm looking through all these things. And I'm going, oh, you know what? You got Matt LaFleur. Yes, That's an interesting sure. name. Right. I'm looking. Maybe Joe Lombardi. But I didn't really like what he did in Detroit. I'm just I'm looking up these. Your inter- guy, DeFilippo, I'd have no problem with him going to be an OC somewhere. I mean, head coach, no. But OC, yes. And I'm, I'm just looking at these names, and it's these same guys, and they're bringing up schemes from 20 years ago. And North Turner's not adapting. He's not going to come in with a different playbook for Cam Newton. Run my playbook, Cam. No, no, you don't do that with a freak athlete that we haven't seen maybe ever. No, I mean, I, I would like to think that Norv will still do some things that are going to be tailored around Cam Newton. Excuse me as I burp yeah, into I'd, the microphone. Yeah, I'd like to think but, that, too. But I will say this at least. 
He does always have an aggressive downfield passing game yeah. that I admired, and that will fit Cam. Uh, Giants, all signs are pointing to Matt Patricia yeah. being the man there. Kind of surprising. Yep. Kind of the reason why I thought Terrell Austin was going to Cincinnati was because we're hiring a defensive coach, right. namely Matt Patricia. Right. But now it sounds like he's the favorite for the Giants. I don't have any like gossip for you there. I would love to, and I will. But I mean, that, to me, the interesting thing that I thought of right away was, hmm, what happened between Bob Ken- Quinn and Matt? Patricia, or is it just the fact of it's the New York Giants and Matt Patricia's like you know Detroit? Yeah, everything's great. Stafford, Bob Quinn, awesome. But it's the fucking New York Giants, and it's I, I can't turn it down. That's the one thing I think. When of. Bruce Arians was talking about Nick Saban possibly going there, and he, he's come out today, apparently he said it was a joke. He said, "Look, it's the New York Giants. Growing up, that was the team, right? And that's it carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Is the Belichick?" Giant stuff, is that real at all? No, I, you don't I have mean, to answer that if you no, don't no, want no. to. No, no, no. I don't have any inside info. Like I've always told Talk you guys. Pressure I will I know I don't have an inside info of this stuff. I, I really don't. I just know, I know that you know Bill, how Bill feels about the Giants. Yes. I just know if there was one place Talk he would moment. ever consider going to, it would be the New York Giants. And this is it. He's not gonna get another chance to coach the Giants. No, the question is though not. is he gonna take the five years to build it up right. in New York? Yeah. I just he's always talking about he's got like four years left. Yeah, I, I would think so. Which somewhere. doesn't make sense to me. I think I said this a couple well, podcasts we'll ago. I mean, the Giants were your Super Bowl pick before the season. Yeah, so does they're he not need, far off. Does no, he need right. five years to build no, it up? It could no. be two. That's, That's probably another reason why Patricia likes the Giants. You got Landon Collins. The you, got, there. you got the defense. Yeah. Uh, who's an OC that you think he'd look at if he did go to the Giants? <sighs> I always go back to your Dan Quinn thing when he went, who was the OC that gave me the most trouble? Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Let me bring him to Atlanta. Yeah, I, yeah it's a, it's a real, I got to think Maybe about he's that. he's a Matt LaFleur. I, I got to think know. that. Yeah. He wants someone more experienced. He's going to want somebody, though, that he, that he like you said, he's going to know a good offensive coordinator. He's yeah. going to go, damn, preparing for this guy was a yes. mother effort. Uh, so I have a stat that goes to when we were ranting about box score bounty hunters, yeah. where they just look at things that don't matter. Hey, right. Sims, did you know that the Titans are 10-0 and in games when Derrick Henry has 10 or more touches, and when he doesn't, they're 0-7? Damn, what? 10 first 10 plays? First 10 plays? Up the middle, win! Give it right to Derrick Henry, game over. Yeah, well, I know. Those stats... When I, they rush for 20 times or more, they're undefeated. All right, first 20 plays, who cares? We'll run the ball, automatic win. Right. So the, what's the correlation dumb. of that stat? Okay, so to put that in realistic terms, yes, when they're running the ball well, and whether it's Murray and Henry, and they're, they're just striking off 5, 10 yards after each other, yes, those are the games Derrick Henry gets more touches and they end up winning the game because they were running the ball well already. Yes. But uh, at the very least, man, is he he's a special player. He I really mean, is. He's, DeMarco Murray is officially out. Is he? So that means another good you're thing. Good. <laughs> good. I mean that with all due respect, DeMarco Murray. Well, I really like it's, you. But. It's more It's more for malarkey. Yes, it is. Don't think about it. Play the big man. Well, I mean, you just, from the game it sounded like on Saturday, right? I mean, it's, again, the coaches drive me freaking crazy. Whether it's the recycled coaches, oh, I trusted them. I worked with them 30 years ago and he was good every day. I mean, or the third down, you know, third down, I don't know if they'll Neo know that he's got a point, he's got to block the linebacker that was to the left of the quarterback, the point. I, he messed it up once in August, and I can't trust him again the whole year. I mean, it that's is, what they it do. It is funny. The number one reason that they always say they're playing a less talented running back right. is because he's better in pass pro on right. third down. Right. It's, the number, it's like quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks. He knows how to get out of the hole. Yeah. Right. It's always the thing that it's they say. It's always the same thing. It's always. I mean, we're going to start Chris Johnson over David Johnson because... <laughs> 
Third down. He's a little bit better. Okay, have fun with that. Uh, the the current favorite in Vegas to replace Gruden is Peyton Manning. I would bet against that every day. See, people got to get over this. So old, much money. Yeah, they got to get over this old theme of like ex players are gonna ex quarterbacks are gonna play, like be announcers. That's done. My dad's generation is the last generation is gonna do that because they didn't make that kind of money. Peyton Manning has a better chance of buying ESPN than he does working for them. Are you kidding me? Like the first time a producer in ESPN is going, like, Peyton, we're going to show this. He's going to be like, oh, 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 well, I just, that ain't right. They, that's not what they did. See, what they did was as Omaha Blue go, and then they went this. And he's not going to listen to that yeah, crap. Like you saw the video that we put on Instagram of Spider-2Y Banana, and you hit up Fendrick and said, technically, <laughs> technically that's not. Technically a Spider-2Buckeye, okay? There's a difference. Come on. Come on, Instagram at Bleacher Report. Know your fucking Gruden plays. I was like, I don't think our Instagram audience is really going into the route tree. <laughs> no. to tell so the you looked at the play. I said, the play, that's not Spider-2Banana. That's Spider-2Buckeye. What the hell is he By talking the way, about? I'm watching the John Gruden <laughs> press conference, and the first thing that popped in my head was, what does John Gruden ask for when he sits down in the barber chair? Oh. Like I, I don't, I don't need a part in the middle. I kind of need it parted here, but it's not a part. I just want my hair to fall. Have you seen Lloyd Christmas? I'd like to look like him. <laughs> no, I don't even think it's that. I feel like it's, uh... it's the hair is. It's he just doesn't give a damn, and he's got that kind of hair anyways. The I don't hair, know what it is. It, it has a part. But it gets messed up as the day goes by, and he just doesn't even care. He just lets it go. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just that it's like my dad kind of has that hair. It's, don't, my a, dad, don't salt until your dad's No, hair I think like if my dad probably puts product in his hair to get that cool comb over. But, but John Gruden and Mark Davis sitting together, I oh was like, Oh my, what a hair dye. Guys, yeah. you, we got to take care of this. Let me send you down <laughs> to Sims's $400 haircut. $100 million, guy. you can afford it. <laughs> That would be really funny if you texted him a good barber. <laughs> it would be. He would. What do you do? You think anyone ever talks shit about Gruden's hair? No, man. No, that's probably someone. If people are. I'd scared. say yo, Gruden, spider two white banana ass <laughs> over the barber shop because you look like ass. So let's talk about Tony Baselli. Let's. Sims has been going on the Dan Lebetard show every day for what seems like a month now, and you'll be doing it for forty nine more days. As they heard your quote, whether it was here or uh, also on Dan, talk, Dan, Patrick, Dan Patrick, you're right, That's and that you said Blake Bortles was the seventieth best quarterback in the NFL. Right, and we've been saying that now for about a year. Yes, and it's been accurate the whole fucking time. Right, I went back and just watched your draft video where you gave Bortles an F. You didn't give him an F minus, right? But you okay. did say I don't know if he's a real thrower, but his one skill is running the ball. Right. You said it when he was drafted. Right. Miller gave him a D. Uh, so you guys were both on point. Yeah. Well, uh, you go out there yesterday, and Tony Baselli, who we just talked about, <laughs> hears it, apparently is friends with Stu Gatz, and gets so angry that he feels the need to call up, and you guys have a little spat right there on the show. Uh, I am going to play a clip from their show today. They said before that you're doing a lot, they're not paying you, so they probably owe you a favor. Well, I'm just going to play your show, and that's the favor. That's the favor. That's the favor. We could, we could talk that out with Dan. He'll be so, cool with this that. This is fair use. Yeah, fair cool. use. It's parody law. Right. Parody so here is Tony Baselli and you going up and back for a minute on the show. Jag uh, just went after Sims. I think after your stupid comments, I might know more about quarterbacks because guess what? Dave Caldwell isn't making the decision, idiot. It's Tom Coughlin. He's in charge down here now. Wow. The way well, you say he was a little that, stuck. Take that. You're, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Whoa! I don't know if that was a shot or not. I'm not going to mess with you, but that's just the way I feel. And I studied this hard, uh, but I can also tell you that most of the coaches didn't want your job in Jacksonville last year either because they didn't want to deal with Blake Bortles either. So. His response here 
I wanted, I wanted uh, Sims, I'd be like, give him the information. Coaches didn't want your job in Jacksonville last year either because they didn't want to deal with Blake Bortles either. That's so true. Just, That's true. That's true. That's true. And, true. and, and guess what? Most of those coaches are at home right now watching the playoffs as we play Sunday. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan did pretty well. A little closer. No. Tony, I mean, every quarterback in high school football would have hit some of those throws last week. I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got. Sims, are you sweating at all? Because I will will be sweating if I see Tony in person. I promise you, I'll be watching. (laughs) So I'm really hoping that Tony Baselli comes to the Super Bowl. He'll be there. We, we he's always get him there. He's, is he? He's always oh, there. It's going to be so good. Why are you saying this with a little bit of fear in your face? Sims is turning red. Because he's a big fucking mean bucker. Fentrick goes, Fentrick goes, let me see how big this guy really is. Types oh. it in 6'7", 330. He's still 6'7", 315. It's like a natural. Like, After that, Lebetard said, listen, are you paid by the Jaguars? And he is paid by the Jaguars. <laughs> yes. And he was like, see, you're just here because you, you're paid to tell us that Bortles was good. So I realized there was a few things. He said earlier on, he goes, I watch it every day. Bortles isn't better oh, than I could have had so much fun. I that that been, line, I was like, well, I you wanted don't to know what like, you're watching. I, wanted to, I really wanted to respond and go, damn. So you got to tell Chad Henney he's the 71st best quarterback tomorrow? That's what I wanted to say? Mm. I mean, damn, you got to see Chad tomorrow. Now he's 71. Well, I wanted to say, like, you're the perfect example of someone that's too close to be objective. Yes. You know, you're there every day. And then when he said, Bortles, he finds a way to win. It goes back to your big thing about quarterbacking. It's not about what happened. It's what was available to happen. Right. And people are just thinking that Bortles runs because... He oh, has he's so run. good at it. He can run. No, it's yeah. because he's not seeing the downfield open receivers right. and or right. isn't capable of hitting them. Yeah, he doesn't want to. And the last week's game was the perfect example. And I could show you guys plays. I wish we could all sit here and the people listening could watch film with me. I could show you plays where receivers are open, but he's realized the four throws before that didn't go anywhere where he intended them to go. So then he can't, that's when you hear the phrase, can't pull the trigger. Right. He couldn't pull the trigger because he was just like, man, I don't know where this is going to go. Oh, there's a lane open, I'm just going to run. And that's what he did. So great, it was 88 yards, but I would argue he left 200 yards of passing on the field. Uh, So what I've realized is I need to figure out how many Sims would it take to beat up Tony Baselli. We discovered earlier this year that it would take four and a half Fendricks, I believe it was. Which I would still debate. To beat but me? To take to uh, take you. Four and a half? I thought it was just a plain old five. And I don't nah, know. It might have been a five. Yeah, I think it was five. I, I would argue so. closer to three, but that's for another day. <laughs> so five Fendricks for a Sims. How many prime Simses back in like your early Bucks days to take a prime Baselli? Gosh. First, let's get Fendrick to weigh in. How many prime Sims? He's talking prime Sims. Yeah, I'll yeah. say prime Sims Two. Really? I was yeah. I was in more of the three thanks. and a half, four. I think, thanks, but though. More so that means he thinks it was more. more well, how, how many prime Sims take prime Baselli's? I wanted to say two. I wanted to. I wanted to I be don't like, think so, But dude. I know I might need that three. That first one's being cleared out. Without a doubt. That's why I always say, like, Fendrick's five. Like, those first three Fendricks are in deep shit. I'm going to go <laughs> one, two, three, and they're going to be out. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Baselli, it's like... Just that throw might be you four across right the room, right? He, he might, he might do juggernaut. Just I don't, I don't really care about prime Sims versus Baselli because yeah, this might right be now? a real thing at the Super Bowl. I, like you jump on his back and strangle him, okay? and then you'll take care and of the rest. Well, no, Lefko's gonna have to help too. But we're, we're tied out. Lefko grabs a leg like Van Gundy on like Larry Johnson See, back in the day. That's Josh. I'm the leg guy. Yeah, you're the small Jew that hangs on the leg. You choke him. You're right. You have a little weight on you. Yeah, I can. And then I can bring him down right yeah. but like even right now 
Like right now, how many? I think you could beat him up right now. I, I wouldn't. If he got his hands I on you, I wouldn't be easy. I'm not like he's not going to go away unscathed. Like he's not going to walk away. And be like we're not going to know he got in a fight. He's going to come around and look. He's going to look like he fought me. I tell you that much. But he might beat my ass eventually. Right how now, how many yes. Fendricks right now <laughs> to take man, on Baselli? Man, got to be double digits. We need to find a Jewish tribe somewhere to get the Jewish Fendrick tribe. <laughs> he just comes around and Fendrick goes <laughs> assemble. That's what I would need. Oy vey, there's a big tackle here. That's amazing. Uh, I realized this. The Lebetard show, you were just on Colin Cowherd. Sims is starting to become reputable, and I love it. Thank it's you. It's a little monster that we've created. Again, I couldn't have done it without you. But here's Lebetard, I wouldn't be on without you. But so here's, you, why, but you know here's why it's happening. This, to me, right. you've seen 8 Mile. Yeah, of course. This is your final battle against the, oh, the New World Order, right, whatever it was. Right. Because you go out there and you go, I am white. I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom. <laughs> this is this is everyone being like, remember it happened when you first got on. What do you know? You didn't do anything. Your right. quarterback rating was this. And Baselli's like, the best thing you ever did was bleed out, bleed on, the out field. on the field. Right. It's all of, like, all of the bullshit's getting out of the way. Yeah. And now we're just listening to your content. Thank you. But what I'm realizing is, you're in this awful quadrant of this is why people can't listen to you. Yeah. People will listen to Colin Cowherd's opinion about quarterback, even though he's never played. It's a joke. And if you threw a football at him right now, he'd wince. Like, he'd flinch <laughs> right. if you threw a football. Right. But then we'll listen to Kurt Warner because he won a Super Bowl. So we'll listen to those guys. Right. We'll listen to a PFF guy who's definitely never played right. and uses it analytically, but maybe doesn't understand what's going on. You're in this awful quadrant of... Played, but didn't have success by statistical measure. Right. And your dad played, so right. people think that you only got a chance right. because he was there. Right. You're in this weird cross-section where people go, like Dan Orlovsky right now is on Twitter and he's commenting and I'm going, Dan, you're going to have good things to say. Like, you probably played your whole career. Right. All he's going to hear is, oh, you were on the 0-16 team and ran out the back of the end zone. Right. So you're in this former quarterback that wasn't good enough, yep. and people all automatically write you off. Yeah, it's weird. I it know. is weird. I, know. It's, I find it more funny, though, that you're, the thing that drives me more crazy is the fact that who people will listen to. But I guess it goes back to just like, well, those people have opinions that they feel okay with. Where it's mine, they feel like I don't know what it is. They can't argue with me. Or, I, don't I don't know what well, it Fentric, is. Either. Didn't your friends say something? Yeah, I had friends texting me yesterday, and they were like, "We're listening to Greg Bedard on the radio breakdown film. Like he knows what he's talking about." And I'm just like, "What are what are his credentials compared to yours?" Right. But uh, they're gonna listen to him. Right. I know. I, it's really weird. Even though that I was in a room with John Gruden for six years straight, yep. and in a you know a top quarterback in college football and worked for Bill Belichick and was in a room with Josh McDaniels for two years straight and with the Tennessee Titans. But you're right. It's this weird thing in this media sports world right now where uh, they almost want to listen to the unqualified. And I don't mean that man's unqualified, no, 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 right. I, but I'm yeah, just saying. Because like, he is qualified. Right. But I'm just saying, if we're stacking up credentials, right. we put your credentials yes, on the board right. for evaluating quarterbacks. And, and I'll also say this. When it comes to quarterbacking and the Blake Bortles 70th thing, the, mm -hmm. people, the thing that people are still not grasping yeah. is that you're putting Cardell Jones ahead of him because – 
if Cardell Jones got to play for three straight years and was given the opportunity that Blake Bortles was, you're just talking about the ability and the talent. Yes. Not the experience, not the statistics. Right. Not that. Just if they had that av- availability, yes. they'd be just Right, and, and really, in some of these cases, like Cardell Jones, if he played last week— yeah, sorry, he would have hit the three guys in the flat in the wide open curl route. So Tony Baselli left when they said Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman had one pass in that game that was yeah. better than all of the passes that Blake Bortles had in that I game. Know. I know, but that's I it. Know. Let's call your dad because now here's what we have to do. Right, I am the principal of the Sims and Leftco podcast. Yes, and you got into a fight at school, and you need to tell your dad. That you are gotten into a fight with Tony Baselli. Does your dad know about this yet? Probably not. Oh, Have fantastic. you ever gotten into a fight at school and they make you call your parents? You no, know, the last time I had to call my parents was when I got arrested for a DWI at Texas. Damn. Yeah. That was not a fun Mac thing. Brown made me call my parents. How did that go? They, my parents didn't really care because they <laughs> knew I was like a pretty responsible guy. But yes, I had, I had had a few drinks and... Um, I got in trouble at Texas, yeah. Yeah. That's well, that all there is to it. Well, Sorry. here we are. Here we are. Another phone call to dad. Right. You know, I, I didn't think it would get to this point, Chris. Right. But, you know, I can't have Big Phil sitting at home not knowing I'll be, that his I'll boy's be, in trouble. I, he, just knew, he just heard about the Lebertard thing last week, so I can promise you he has no idea about are yesterday. Are you at all nervous right now? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. We might need Phil to stay at Radio Row with us as backup. How many Phil's to take Bess Alley right now? Oh, Phil can still squat and bench. Yeah. Is he there? I feel like he is. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, what up? What up, I Big Phil? I was just listening to see what you two. You know, I guess it's just the way things are in today's life. Yes, today's 420 life. 4.20 used to mean 4.15. Now 4.20 means, like, whenever. Oh, no, yeah, not in uh, millennial bleacher report yeah, world. Yeah, we, we got shit to do, Phil. <laughs> you got stuff to do? Yeah, you know what we got to do right now, Phil? Uh, your son has to tell you something because something happened yesterday, and it, it's unbelievable. Here we were yeah, talking about that? we were talking about Hall of Famers last week, and, and Sims has something to tell you. Adam wants me. He's playing the role of principal, Dad. So I'm I'm calling home because I've been a bad boy, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. You know, I know I told you last week about the whole Blake Bortles 70th quarterback and Dan Lebetard's been having me on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yesterday during the show and I went on to tell them my 50th quarterback, um Tony Baselli text messaged the show and wanted to yell at me on the show live. So they brought him on, and he basically told me I was an idiot, and the only good thing I ever did was bleed out on the field, and <laughs> all those good, good, warm, fuzzy things. Uh, but Lefko wanted me to yeah, tell you. Yeah, your son to, got to into that. a fight with Tony Baselli. Man, do you know he's six foot seven? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, I mean, oh my gosh! So y'all, you got an argument about the Blake, Blake Bortles situation, right? He told me I was an idiot and all those kind of things, but whatever. You know, it's uh, the price of doing business sometimes. Well, you know, I didn't. It's funny you told me that because, um, well, whatever. I, I did find. I did know that a few minutes ago. Somebody texted me or whatever, and I said, "Oh, that's interesting." I said, <laughs> "You know, that's an argument that I don't know if you want to get into with my son and whatever." So, 
So I kind of took up for you in my words. Thanks. But so he called into the thing and then yelled at you. Was he seriously yelling at you? Well, like really mean? No, no, no. He was good. He was he was like serious in a playful way. Like I think he oh, really okay. does think I'm an idiot and all those things. And <laughs> I think he's basically saying like, "How dare you speak about Blake Bortles like this?" Which I understand. He worked for the Jaguars, and right. I've tried to emphasize to people this is not an attack on Blake Bortles personally. I mean, I think you know where this came from. I mean, people were, you know, Jaguars are so talented. What's really the issue? And I just got sick of going, like, they're the best team in football and finding reasons to talk around it. So that's when I came out and just was like, well, he's the 70th best quarterback. And I just made a rough estimation because I think every backup quarterback's better than him, too. So that would leave it to 64 quarterbacks. And that's where I came up with 70. All right, you don't have to comment on that part. No, but. it's okay. You know, the other thing, but he, did he say that the only thing you ever done on the field was bleed out? <laughs> yeah, he did I say did, that. Yes, he yeah, did say he that. Did. Don't get mad, Dad. Who cares? It's okay if you get mad at your son. <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not going to get mad at it. No, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, the- I, you know, look, I was part of the campaign that Tony Baselli should be in the Hall of Fame. So oh, there you go. Wait, Are wait, you going to change? Are you going to change? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. I have breaking news. Via okay. the Chris Sims text messages. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. I have a text message from a 904 number, and I was like, who's 904? Is it Tony Baselli? It is Tony Baselli. Oh! <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, he Is did. he going to fight you? So, uh, no. But he wrote this. The back and forth yesterday on the show was fun. You do a good job, even even if I think you're dead wrong that Bortles is a 70th QB, Tony Vaselli. Hey, so there you go, man. Hey. Do you have to delete the whole segment before that is this? Podcast magic. That's hilarious. That is great. Well, you know, listen, of course he's, I disagree, he's not that far down the road when you say that. But look, it's, it's, it's hard. What do you say about Blake Bortles? We've done it all, we've said it all. Um, you know, he had a good run when it falls. You know, he had some weeks where they really took advantage of things. And then last week was we're right back to where we were in the preseason. Hmm. When we watched him in the preseason when he couldn't pull the trigger. So, it's I, you know, I'll give him credit for this. You know, it's like having the yips in golf. How do you keep going out and playing golf when you know you, you're afraid of putting the ball from two feet out? So he finds a way to work his way through it. And here they are in the yeah. division round of the playoffs. So that's that's the end of that story. Yeah. Here we were. I was going to ask Phil how many Chris's it would take to, to actually take Tony Baselli. What was the number we guessed? Uh, I said three. Three was going to be – I need three three me's to take down a Tony Baselli. Yeah, what do you think, I think that's a, that's a pretty good – that would be about it. Yep, it'd take three. Yeah. Because he, he's arguably the best lineman I've ever watched. Right, so right. He's pretty good on his feet. And he's got arms that are really long, and he's got hands the size of your head, son. Yes. Those are big hands. I know. I see him every year at the Super Bowl, and I'm always like, man, I mean, you still look like you can play left tackle. I mean, that's what it, the oh, way yeah. he looks. He, and, you know, of course, I, I, I'm not mad about this at all. Hey, he's a great guy. That's fun stuff. Good for you. Thanks. Awesome. So uh, what do we got today? What are we doing? I've, I've already well, lost track of what I wanted to talk well, about. Well, what do you mean? You don't have something you want to talk about? I have something for him. What do you got? Uh, all right, so, Phil, we always do in their prime. Uh, who was better in their prime? This one comes from my friend Dan. Ladanian okay. Tomlinson or Marshall Falk? Ooh, who was better wow. in their prime? That's a really good one. Really? They're That's so great similar. One. That's great. Um, mm. Ladanian Tomlinson. That quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's close. I just I saw more of him in his prime, you know, doing their games and all that. So um, it's close. They're both great. But, man, LaDainian Tomlinson there for a while, he was like, you couldn't tackle him. No, you could not. 
he was unbelievable. He was he was a little more power. That, that's more exactly power it. His game running game than Marshall Falk did. That, that's what would be the difference for me. I, I think that, that, that's exactly the first thing that came to my mind. I think it's, it's really close, but Tomlinson was better between the tackles. Tomlinson was like a true power back, yet that could He's do a the big things. Man who happens to be five foot ten? Right, exactly. And that's all it is. Yes. You know, he if he was. Like, he, he's he's big. He's just not tall. Right. Square shoulders, big ass, big legs. Absolutely. Long arms. Everything you'd want in a running back, he's the perfect size. Right. You know, that's why when you see Derrick Henry, you go, wow, this doesn't look right. Right. You know, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, this is a true story. He's He signs with Alabama. And one of the coaches laughed when they saw him up there because they saw how big he was. He was 6'4", 250 coming out of high school. And somebody, they said, wow, he's a running back. And somebody goes, yep. The first day he shows up on here on campus, he's going to be surprised when we hand him number 98. <laughs> <laughs> he's the new DN for Saban. They, that's why they, they looked at him. Hey, we're signing a running back. We'll give him a, a couple of days at running back, then we'll put him over a defensive end. But uh, they didn't, of course. The story, the rest, we know the rest of the story. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, when you look around at the playoffs right now, Phil, what was, was there anything that you found surprising from Wild Card Weekend? Oh, surprising. I guess I was surprised. Let, let me think about it. Um, wasn't surprised about Jacksonville and Buffalo. Uh, we were on the show, and I said first one to 13 wins. Yep. And I never thought I would be right underneath it. But <laughs> uh, that, I really did think 13, 16 points was going to win the game. I think I was surprised um, the fact that the Los Angeles Rams offense didn't do more against Atlanta's defense. Now, taking nothing away from Atlanta, I thought they played really hard. Um uh, their speed was evident, and and they took away some of the bread and butter plays away from Los Angeles. And then, uh, you, you know, Jared Goff just didn't have a great day throwing the football. When right. he had a chance to make a few plays, he didn't make them, and uh, that was a difference. I so that was probably the biggest surprise to me. This is the first playoffs that you're not in the booth, and I'm just curious if you miss it. No, I love what I'm doing. Do you? you know, Good. I, sit, I really do. I, it's no lie. I think Christopher, if I ever said to, if I ever said to you once this year, wow, I wish I was doing the uh, game or anything. People ask me all the time, and I don't, I don't even, I don't even think I've had this conversation with Dad. But they go, "How's your dad doing? Is he okay?" And I want to go. I think he's happier than ever. I mean, because I mean, well, they, they, you've they gotten sitting in a, a dark room, where you know. And depression. Well, I think you, I'll survive no matter what. You get uh, to pay attention to the whole league now. And, yeah. and last, you know, the last few years, especially with doing Thursday night football, all you could do was focus on the games you had to do because it was it was a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah, and I actually got to say that this job takes more hours than it did doing the games. Because D- here I am today, going, "Oh my God, who I got to watch this? I got to watch that. What happened? You know?" And I'm going to do all this, and most of the time, I won't even talk about the game. I would all do all the work for. Yeah. And well, I'm going to say. 30 seconds, and it takes what, son? You know, Adam, you do it too. It takes what, a couple hours? Let's say I'll do it fast. It takes me at least a minimum of an hour and a half to watch a game for right. real. Right, At least. Right. So sometimes you can do three of those, and it's worth 20 seconds on air. Yep. So that's the hard part, learning how to be judicious with your words and get in a, get in a point in a very short time. And that doesn't even include reading all the press clippings, keeping up to date with injuries, looking ahead at matchups, checking out statistics. Right. Like, like he you're wants, just talking about watching the film. He wants to go first back. Off, injuries, that's, that's the thing. I started looking on that on Saturdays. Me too. And statistics, you know what I think about stats, don't you, Adam? I don't. I'm excited to hear I, it. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I judge by my eyes. 
The mm. I, listen, football stats—they're—they're they're loaded with lies, right. loaded, and it, it drives me crazy that we're going to judge everybody. Oh well, you know the red zone—they're really not very good in the red zone. And hey, you did you know when? Deion Lewis runs the ball 20 times. The Patriots win yes. every game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Adam just read a stat I like that about Derrick Henry. There, there's a stat that oh says. Oh, my gosh. What, what was it, Adam? No, no, no. Uh, we were joking because I said when Derrick Henry touches the ball 10 times or more, they're 10-0. and 0. When he doesn't, oh. they're 0-7. And, and I said, and well, Sims. the first 10. Let's get it over with. <laughs> <Yes>. Go home. <laughs> that is exactly it's what it. I said. Hey, you know, hey, we can't turn the ball over today. I even said this to one coach once, and I know you guys have heard. I said, Coach, just kneel on the ball every time you win. Okay, let's just get it over. I mean, if you don't turn it over, don't just don't turn it over. Right. And you know, hey, don't be a smart, smart whatever. That's awesome. Uh, but but uh, those numbers drive me crazy. Oh, and Emmett Smith, I used to do it. I was at ESPN one year, working on it, and they would say when Emmett Smith carries the ball over twenty times, they're thirty-seven and one. And I go, well, good. Then give it to him right away, and let's get this thing over with. And you know what are you talking about? I go, of course they are going to win when he has. That means they got control of the game, and their offensive line is destroying the other team. Right. That's why they win. Right. Phil, I I was just checking Vegas odds, and apparently you're listed as one of the options to to take over Gruden's spot on Monday Night Football. Is that a smart investment of my money? Oh yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Is he really on the odds there? Yeah, he's like a lot of things. We all have hopes about jobs and this and that. That is not one of my hopes. I don't think so. I was at ESPN in what nineteen ninety four. Right, man. So, you were were you living in year. Bristol? No, it was his first year out, and he went. First year out. You're doing the I pregame show. Did. I arguably, I I'll bet you I did close to a hundred shows that year. Damn. So it was a great indoctrination into the business. Right. I was doing the Edge NFL matchup show. Ooh. I was doing the Sunday show, the Monday night show. I mean, it was a lot of talking. Phil, I know you don't like stats, but I want you to know you're the first and best guest of the Sims Left Go podcast. We appreciate you. All right. I don't wait to dust me off. See you, man. Just All right. I'm up. so excited see to see you at the Super Bowl, Phil. See like, I can't even hey, handle yeah, it. It looks like I might be up at the Super Bowl, so hopefully we will get together and have yes. a chance to talk, and I can straighten you guys out in person. We Perfect. need it. Thanks. All right, see you, man. See you, Dad. See you, brother. Man, got a lot of news there out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so funny. He's a fucking best. Uh, I, 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 I don't so realize I get that... so much of me f- from him until I hear him talk in instances like this. Oh I know. Gosh. It's just it's more apparent to me when I'm in this scenario. Did you text Tony back? I did. What did you say? Yeah, I just say? told him, like, all good. I said, you got you the man. I got so much yard. respect for you. And I said, you have a free pass to... Rip my ass whenever you want. I, I don't care. I understand. I respect the fact that he's sticking up for somebody that he knows. Yeah. I, I get it. Okay, it's cool. I'm down with that. And you know, I think I always say to you, and I think Adam and I have talked about this a lot, but I do my best to have no ego in this job. I really try hard to take my ego out of this. I realize what I am, who I am, and I just don't give a shit what the rest of you think about me. And I think what's really funny is I would say so many analysts – do what Tony's doing, and they make it personal. Right. I know him. Right. He's better than 70th. And you're going, I don't want to fucking know him. Yes. I'm only caring about the, the eye evaluation. the sky, and right. it doesn't lie. Right. And it's that's rare these days. That's why I always say, I don't trust scouts that went to the Senior Bowl. Because they shook his hand, and they go, I'll tell you what, that Johnny Manziel, I think he's a nice guy. Like He just <laughs> yeah. he came off real... 
you are your bias. You're tainted, right? You're tainted forever. Yes, right. That's why when you're like, hey, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, I'd hate to like offend people. I don't care. Like, if we never meet anybody in person, sometimes I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because we can bring real honesty to everybody else, yeah. which is like the number one comment in our iTunes comments is, you guys, These are, guys, honest. You guys are real and honest. Right. It doesn't happen by accident. We don't care what people think. We're just trying to be real for everybody else. Yeah, right. Uh, MVP, it's already done. It's over. Carson Wentz. I just want to bring up uh, one more time. Uh, Tom Brady's going to win, though. Yeah, he probably yeah, right. sucks. Maybe Gurley, but probably Brady. Yeah. Uh, especially when they go on a run after all this scathing. But report. the boats are in, though, right? I don't know. Yeah, the boats are already in. They've already voted. Okay. And I also, you know, the other thing too, I wanted to get in our hall, like all pro, like shit again, so, because there's who? Who was the double position this year? Well, no, no. Cam Hayward made the All Pro team, but he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Right. Team. Same with Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan. And then there was some few people that Darius Slay made got it. votes for double position again. To where I want to go. Listen, this is why some of these people should not yeah. be voting for this. They don't even know exactly what position. Harrison Smith, I think, made All Pro, but right. he didn't make Pro Bowl. Right. It's just I, I do value All Pro more than Pro Bowl, without a doubt. And some of the players. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So the MVP is finalized, but we do have four celebrations to try and compete with Golden Tate's people in uh, People's Elbow for yeah. the individual and the Steelers bench press. But these are all individual, but they're a little different. They're not all touchdown celebrations. Okay. So first one up is Mariota. Okay? Mariota is the second game in a row in which after a play, he's just going to stand there yeah. and just kind of gloat right. and just take it all in, which is so on Mariota. Yep. So the Mariota stand and pose. Uh, next up, the Tony Khan quick pumps. Uh, clap, clap, clap. Hump, hump, hump. Yeah, Tony Khan. <laughs> I said Khan. that to you guys right after it happened. Hump, hump, hump. This is Shahid Khan's son. Right. Or Shad Khan's son. Pump, pump, pump. It's just, man, that's a heck of a hump. Uh, New Orleans uh, New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara handing out airheads. Oh, I saw that. I know. That is, looks delicious. Where do you get them? I don't know. Well, apparently, snack area on the sideline. Well, there's yeah, there's little drawers of like full of gum and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all there available. I used to go when I sat on the sideline for a game. I might have gone through forty pieces of gum a game, like no joke. When I was the backup quarterback, what was your in-game oh, gum? Bazooka, double bubble. I mean, I'd have a cup bazooka, of just, and I would disgusting. literally put like six pieces. I don't, I don't ever put a one piece of gum in my mouth. Even with the mint gum I just had, yeah, there was five pieces in my mouth. Well, that's how you are with espresso. The You're same. like one espresso. Right. I'll take a five. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to drink one piece. One, I mean, I'm not going to have chew one piece of bubble gum. Like, I'm gonna, ch- I want to like be able to blow big bubbles, and I'm going to chew that shit. Yeah, but bazooka, that's bazooka's just a jo- amazing. The what? best gum there is. When you were on the sideline, did you ever read a bazooka joke? Yeah. You know what's funny? You know what you in common with? I used to. In college, Teddy Bridgewater would stick two pieces of bazooka gum right. in his uh, socks. Right. And he'd eat them during the game and he'd read the cartoons Bazooka's, and then he'd go out and play. It's classic. Still, I still eat bazooka to this day. I bring it home. The kids, they love it. Now they have this other flavor, but the original is the best. That and Bigly Chew are the best Bigly gums there Bigly Chew is. is fantastic. Yes, fantastic. The last one, though, is Sean Payton in the locker room oh, after the classic. game. Oh, Sean Payton. Good. Uh, hold on, let me just get that. Can you believe that players are streaming live from their phones? Yeah, look at him, look at him, he's dancing, right? he's like a half Macarena. It's amazing we haven't seen more wieners and stuff like that in these videos. It's amazing, actually. That's what you're on the lookout for? Well, I mean, just the it fact. It happens. I did, right. The, fact the guys life, are walking around. around naked. Yeah, it's just amazing that, we, that it hasn't been caught more. Best of the wild card weekend. Mariota's pose, Tony Khan's humping, Kamara handing out airheads, or Sean Payton's Macarena <sighs> dancing. I mean, the quick hump is like the funniest 
but Sean Payton wins. Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton. And you don't see NFL coaches do that a lot. That's a college coach thing, right? To where, oh, we're going to look cool on Instagram, so recruits are like it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sean Payton, that's why I like him. I mean, he's he's like coach part renegade. and uh, he's... Does Sean Payton technically compete with Golden Tate, or is that... I don't nah, think so. It wasn't no. a touchdown. No, I was disappointed with player celebrations. I know. It shows you everybody was kind of focused on playoff football <laughs> and not choreography. <laughs> <laughs> Losers. Losers. Uh, no, but about the, uh, the the a lot of Saints fans got very upset at me for saying that they over-celebrated and that they were saying, we just swept the Panthers. This was more than just one playoff win. It was three games. And I said, that's not my point. You can celebrate all you want. I'm just saying that I'm a firm believer that when athletes celebrate, a little bit of edge comes out, yeah. and you're facing the Vikings, who are not going to take you lightly. Right, and that was my only point. Yeah, I get it. Wasn't that. about that's... whether you can celebrate or not. I just, you know, no, that's a just point. There's teams that do. You're right. Celebrate too hard, Belichick they lose sight. Celebrating. Not like that, but this is a different animal with Sean Payton. He he kind of coaches his guys to be like that. Live yeah. on the edge, both sides. He doesn't care what they're doing when they walk out of that locker room. Go have fun as long as you're ready to come back and work tomorrow. We are going to do now Sims's game notes. I have seen his cursive, and there's a chance that I might post this online, your notes. Let okay. people just take a look at sure. them. Uh, no but, one can read it anyway, so exactly. it doesn't matter. Let's start with the Saints-Panthers one. Okay, You wrote, Saints are just like the Patriots. When they go big on offense, be ready for play action, yeah. and the Panthers were ready. That seems to be your theme. The Panthers were ready for everything. They've seen it twice. They really were. And, and there's just so much of that goes into a course of football game and the game planning. But they able to see a team on film for you know three times while you study them for a week. And then also to see and get a feel for body language. That happens. I, I can't stress to people enough sometimes because I think about this and I don't, probably don't talk about this enough. The things and the things I was capable of when I played quarterback and then my memory and the little things I saw during a game. I'm going to get back to that point, but regardless, the Carolina Panthers, they knew, like, oh, they want to get big. This is when they like to take their shots. And mm-hmm. they played safe coverages behind it for the most part of the game and didn't let that happen. So that was phenomenal. My other point, just real quick yeah. about that, what I was saying. I was like, just going to say, how much does that benefit Minnesota to see that? I, I think they're, they're, there's probably going to be a correlation there, certainly. Yeah. Um, Carolina and Minnesota have similarities to their scheme in general, other For than sure. that Minnesota can just play man-to-man better. But, they got the uh, secondary to it do is it. A, like, that's what's crazy about when you play a team more than once or twice or three times, whatever it may be. You really, I guess because your your emotions are high, you're intense, uh, just everything about the environment you're in, you're on full alert, right? There's 70,000 people watching you, so of course that's going to make your awareness and alert go up. And then of course then the 280-pound guys that are coming to tear your head off make you even go up even farther. And I could just remember back thinking about like, Man, seeing a D end or a D tackle lean right before I'm going to snap mm. the ball, just like the squat. Like you couldn't even see it on film, but like I knew, oh, he's going to go to the outside gap, and here comes that blitz, or like a, a safety thirty yards down the middle of the field. And I promise you, I would drop back and be like, I can literally see his eyes. I know where he might be standing here, but he's looking over there, and I'm thirty yards away, and I'm reading the play. But also, I saw his eyes to know to the next day where like the coach would go, had you know. The safety was there. How'd you throw the ball? And I'd be like, you know, I, I, his eyes were looking at the other receiver. I faced he was that there, guy right. so many times. Whatever it may be, and yeah. I think that's what I mean. I'm not. Of course, I was not great, but I think the great ones are really good at that. Mm. I mean, where they can just truly like. I mean, you ever hear Peyton Manning in a post game press conference? 
I mean, holy fuck. He, he can, can recall every, every play. play. Oh, I think this guy hit his right finger by his right nose on third and seven, and then he breathed twice. I mean, he could tell you the whole game. Yeah. Uh, Let's right, stay with the Saints on yeah. offense. You said the Saints play-action passes are incredible, especially when you have Ginn, but Brees can't just launch it like every other quarterback. Right. You also said the Saints drop-back pass game is simpler than ever, and that's probably why Brees is throwing at 71%. I, I do think so. It's it's And I don't want to – it's still a great offense and great passing scheme, but I, I think – Look at that. Simple doesn't mean bad. No, it does not mean bad. And it's it's the right approach for this football team. Yes, his completion percentage is amazing because he's got great talent and he's extremely accurate and knows where to go to the ball. But also their ability to run the ball has gives them optimal looks for passing the football. And because of that, I just feel like throughout the year, I've gone away from a lot of Saints films and gone. I don't want to say I'm underwhelmed by Sean Payton, but you know I'm always looking like Sean Payton, McVay, Shannon. What's He's an innovator. What's the new cool thing he had in the drop back pass game this week? Every week this year, it's kind of eh, you know it's just basic Sean Payton stuff. But it's because he didn't have to dive into the archives or go crazy or call a play that he felt like, man, I'm a little uncomfortable. So we don't always execute it the right way. Uh, in years past, he had to call those plays because they needed to win a game 41-38. Right. This time around, they can go, well, you know what? I'm just going to run slant flat, and Drew's going to throw the slant. We're going to get eight yards, and we'll see what happens next play. And I think it's a part of why he's throwing for the record completion percentage. You said Thomas Davis was awesome the entire game. Holy and cow. you said the Panthers went double B-gap a few times and put back DTs in the A-gap? They did. The, so what does that mean? They did You know the double A-gap Minnesota look, right? Right. Like the, two linebackers right in the A-gap? Right. But but they did the two D tackles in the gap. They were on their you know so three two point D stance. tackles in the A gap. In the A gap, so they were on the both sides of the center, and then they put the linebackers in the B gap to stand up. It was a little different look. I'd never really seen them do that. Got it too. And it did well, and I, I was going like, and I think I wrote like question marks like why. The only things I could think of is they had to. They were just scared of Davis and Keekley getting caught inside, knowing that like Sean Payton's very smart. Go to He'll the outside, find a screen, a bunch crunch, yeah. try to run where everybody gets smushed inside, so he figured, you know what, I'll let those guys go there, and then it frees Davis and Keekley up to have to get to the sideline if they need be. I thought it was nice. I'll be interested to see if Minnesota copies it a little. Well, they are the kings of the double-A. That's exactly right. Right, right. You said the the Saints defense had no respect for the Panthers' passing game. None. Uh, You wrote, I don't don't need to watch film to know Cam was the best player on field Sunday, but then you also wrote Cam holy fuck like four times. I mean, Cam holy fuck. That's all the way I could say it. I mean, if they had one receiver... I mean, they're going to win the game. They just—they don't have a guy that he can. He was phenomenal. I would argue it's one of the best games he's ever played in his career. He was under pressure, and other than two or three completions, people were grossly covered throughout the game, and he just jammed it on them. Just 105 outside corner, eat yeah. shit. Oh, you covered it great. Uh, I, I just thought it was a phenomenal game, and. Yeah, I, w- I was really impressed with Cam this year. I know it's not going to look great stats, but I really think he got better as a quarterback. You also wrote, and I don't know if I wrote this right, right. arches and F angles oh, gave yeah. Saints issues. Yes, it did. So What's that? It's a concept. Um, it's a concept like the, the Cowboys are more famous for. North Turner, actually, they was with the play call. It would be 525 F angle, right? That was, the, that was the old play. But So for all those listening or you guys out there, what it basically is is like it can be a bunch set or any type of three-receiver set, but one guy runs the shallow cross. The second guy kind of like acts like he might bend out and, and run a five-yard and, and then follows and runs like a slant route. Right. And then the outside guy, you could do whatever you want. Sometimes like he runs a go. Valve. Sometimes he runs like the out and then comes back in. He's your safety valve. Yeah. 
exactly yeah. right. Saints had trouble passing that off a few times. Was it the delayed crosser? Like like McCaffrey, even the touchdown. It was a similar Did type of thing. Did someone go in front of McCaffrey? It was the tight end went, and then he came out of the backfield and followed him that same way. Damn. I'll be interested to see if that shows itself. They could do that with Jarek McKinnon? No doubt about it. That was the first thing I thought of. All so. right, that'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, now let's go to the first game of the weekend, which was Chiefs and Titans. We'll start off with the uh, Titans offense. Okay. Um Chris Jones is the best defensive player in the game. Yep. KC coverage is never sound. Someone is always out of position. Yeah. On long Henry run, perfect look for play called. What the fuck are the Chiefs doing playing a defense you would play on third and four? Yeah. So this is like the 60-yard Derrick Henry touchdown? Yeah. The, the Yes, it was like the 35-yarder, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So what did you yarder? mean by that? Well, I, I just don't understand the play call. Like, they played a defense and a scheme to where it's like, it's third and eight, and they're going to drop back to pass, and... Uh, it was what did I say the down was there? It was third and four, but it was second and something. Yeah, it was exactly. It was a defense you would call for a third down situation, right? Like we're gonna blitz and we're gonna confuse the quarterback and we're gonna get the ball out of his hand or he's gonna be confused and we're gonna sack and we'll get off the field. But it was second down and it's the Tennessee Titans and the first thing they want to do is run the football. So they called the blitz, and it was just the absolute perfect run call with the blitz. There was no way they were going to be able to defend it. The the seas parted, and then, of course, once he gets going, there's not a lot of people in the game that can catch him. I mean, he can really go. And then you wrote, Kansas City played way too much man-to-man down the stretch. Way too much man-to-man. I mean, I just, I don't even... How many times do we need to watch Belichick rush three and drop eight? Yes, I know. Uh... They do that too at times. That's yeah, what I they was. They did it early in the game. They did right. it a lot of early in the game, and I love it. It's what they've been doing really uh, the the last four or five games of the year, which I've liked. Even though I say it's like not sound always, but at least they've been dropping people back to where it makes the quarterback hold the ball. They go, man, there's not a lot of passing lanes here. All those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what their reasoning. I'm sure they were a little scared of the run game and the way it was going. Chris Jones being out was a huge part of that football game. Do not underestimate that. When you lose your best player, and he was. He was their best player. He was unblockable before he got healthy. You were saying he was a young Fletcher Cox. Right. I really think he has that type of capabilities. And when he got hurt the first play of the second half, I mean, there's a reason that Tennessee gashed them from that point on. Let's go now to the Chiefs offense. Let me go to some of the goods for the Titans defense because there's a lot of things that concern you. You wrote Austin Johnson on the Titans is a beast. Yes. So that's one guy that Austin, you really like. Yes, I know. I really, well, I'm really, i dying to talk. Yes, I do. Go ahead. Sorry. 94. No, you're fine. Yep. Uh, but then you, you also had a little knock against Alex Smith. Right. You said 22 to 21, third down. This is the end of the game on the, on the game trying jive. Yeah. First read not open. Eyes go down. Panics and runs. Right. What the fuck? Had all the time in the world. He could have baked a cake, eaten it, drank some milk, and then thrown the ball. This yeah. was that, in the notebook? This was in the notebook. <laughs> That's why Mahomes is there. Alex is so bad in the pocket. Yes. Man, it's, it's, it's um, again, I don't want to sit here and just crap on Alex Smith. He does a lot of good things. But really, if he just gave you the brief synopsis of the game, it's this. The game started off great. Everybody was open. The first guy he looked at was open. And, and yes, he had some drops. I get that. Because everybody was. Tyreek Hill was dropping a lot. They got a first down after every one of those drops. So it had no effect on the game at all. Zero. None. 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 
Okay, if anything, I would say the Titans had drops that were more affecting right. their their game. Decker dropping those footballs, yes, right uh, the they face. they were they affected the game more than the Tyree Kill drops that they got a first down with the next day. But regardless, Smith, hey, when things were working great, oh, Kelsey's open down the middle, Tyree Kill, sure, yeah, he hit them, and that's great. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but as soon as the easiness of that got taken away. The first read got away. He looks to run, and he doesn't want to just stand in the pocket and stay there in a good position like you'd see a Brady or a Rodgers just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to wait for the second guy. Here he comes. Bam, I'm going to put it on him. No, it's first guy's not open. Let me look to see who's around me, and let me get out of the pocket. I mean, that's what was happening to Jalen Hurd in the championship it's, game. It's, 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 it's like that at times. And he does leave the pocket when people are open, the second and third read. And, yes, again, we've seen this story before. I don't mean to just bag on Alex Smith, but this is the reason Mahomes was drafted. This is it. I mean, whether it's the, the playoff game last year against the Steelers. We talked about it the next day. I, we'd watch the film. Everybody you was were just open. pointing out wide open guys that he just he just didn't throw want to throw to. it to. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying everybody was wide open, but I'm just saying he can't make the four or five plays to get you over the hump in these type of games that, that you need. That Matt Ryan did against the Rams. Let's right. say. So here are the things that scared you because you were just talking about how the Chiefs had wide open receivers. Right. So you said the Titans sold out to stop the run early and that their zone is a true zone. You wrote they need to dare the Patriots to run and to call their bluff. Oh, good. But I'm the glad problem I wrote that. is they're asking people to do too much. They're asking Avery Williamson, oh, hey, quote, be responsible for the B gap and cover Gronk one on one. Okay, good luck, stupid shit. Right. And you wrote, do what Pats do, fuck me. Yes. What does that mean? Well, it means like, it doesn't mean literally means. fuck me. <laughs> it means, it means, uh, I wish, why don't, why don't people copy New England more? I, I don't, how many Super Bowls do they have to win to go, you know what, we're going to try that defense out. I mean, they have to win every fucking Super Bowl before we finally come to that realization? Yes. Okay, these, they have three big mothers in the middle okay those guys casey sylvester williams austin, austin johnson, johnson they're they're good it's as good as three of big people as you're gonna get on a team i mean it's it's up there so to me you don't need to sell out to stop the run no they were better when they stopped kansas city when they started just playing zone defenses and dick lebeau's coaching took over and go oh when they get in this formation they like to throw to this areas drop to this area right. okay an occasional man and blitz to keep them off balance that's when they were at their best but yes, LeBeau, Johnny Old School, right? Which is, you hear about all the old school coaches. We're going to stop the run first. Make them one dimensional. Right. Wait, fuck, it's 2017. Fuck the run. Stop the pass and then show me that they can run. That's the opposite this day and age. Belichick has figured that out. You okay? do this every year. I we know. We go just force the Patriots to run and see if they'll stick with so it. So they, they literally were like, oh, we're going to stop Kareem Hunt. Which and I kind of get. I get it. I do. I totally get it. But it is also Andy Reid and the Chiefs, and they have a long history of not being patient with the run. Yeah. But, so yeah, my thing about Avery Williamson on the, like the Kelsey touchdown pass, because I heard people like, oh, they're blowing assignments. No, they're not blowing assignments. They ask their guys to do things that are not reasonable to ask a player to do. I don't care who he is. But, yes, do what New England does. Can somebody in a playoff game just prove to me that the New England Patriots will run the ball 20, 25, 30 times? I mean, in a game where it's actually competitive, not like the Colts AFC Championship game a few years ago when they were up like 40-7 to and then ran the ball to run the clock out. I'm talking about I want to see if someone can make Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and, and Josh McDaniels go – 
fuck me. They are dropping back to take away the pass, and they don't give a damn if we run it. We're going to have to run it 30 times in a playoff game. Nobody's ever done it, and this is a team that can do it. They have three monsters in the middle. Just put them over the two guards in the center and say, prove it to me that you'll stay patient with the run. Because New England wants to throw it. They Mm -hmm. want to throw it to Gronk. Brady wants to throw it. That's what they trust. That's how they've won. Somebody, please, do it. Please. Please. I'm so sick of it. Help us. Let's go to uh, the Rams-Falcons game. (laughs) Rams on offense, you wrote, field was horrible. And I argue that it hurts the Rams more. Gurley is the only guy in the stadium that can go 80, and he can't cut or put his foot in the ground without falling. Man, I forgot how average Goff was in the first half. And then you wrote a little note and wrote, that was average for the whole game. And then you said the Falcons changed up up coverage on third downs a few dimes, and you liked the D in the first half, except for these dumb five-man pressures, which was the theme Theme of of the weekend. Theme of the weekend. More five. Oh, we're going to get five one-on-ones against you know Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. They're not going to know what to do. You think a five-man blitz is the dumbest decision in football? It's one of the dumbest things. You either go six or you bring four. Right. I mean, yes, exactly. Or bring three. I I would even rather that. But the five-man is just a waste. Every team in football can pick up the five-man pressure, and quarterbacks are smart enough to know. Oh, I got one-on-ones, and yes, I know it's five one-on-one blockers, and I know I got to be ready to get the ball to my hand, but you're really bailing the quarterback out more times than not because it's a five-man pressure zone blitz. Well, there's a lot of holes in that zone because you've taken one less player to fill the zone. Okay? It's a five-man pressure and there's man-to-man. Well, fuck, you're bailing the quarterback out there too because he's going to find one one-on-one matchup with the passing game where he's going to go, that guy can't cover my guy one-on-one. Right. I'm going to throw it to him or a back shoulder, whatever it may be. So, yes, um, that was a theme of the weekend from a lot of teams. But Jared Goff was average. Jared Goff was was very average. He really did. He, he was one of the worst games he played this year. Yeah. He, he did nothing. And I would say this, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, Jared Goff is good and he's going to continue to be good, but I'm still not ready to say he's going to be a superstar quarterback. I don't care because what really happened is they took away their bullshit normal. And the screens. The you screens. said the speed took away the screens. The screens were gone. So they're, shout out to Deion Jones. Right. There's there's five completions for 90 yards, right, that he usually has on his stat line that were taken away, mm. and that's, that made things hard. Uh, but I, the Falcons are the changing of the defense. Really, really liked it. I, and I, to me, this is what Dan Quinn did in the Super Bowl. I know, and he got away from the second half and got conservative, but yeah. yes, he did. And it's, it's exactly what I thought of, and I thought, damn, they know McVay was going to watch that Shanahan-Jaguars film and see if he could steal a few plays. Because they tried shit. to make it look like the normal defense. They looked what did they like play? It, so it wasn't just the cover three press bail? It wasn't the cover bail. three. They lined up in the cover three press bail, and McVeigh had plays called to expose that, the old second and man through. what did through. they actually play? They would, at the last second, Neil would run out, and they would play cover two or two man or quarter, quarter, half, and they change it up, and then Goff dropped back, and he was like, oh, shit, the, nobody's open. This is Our play was called kind of for this defense. Man. So that was uh, very good by Dan Quinn. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, Falcons offense, Rams defense. You wrote Rams defense kicking the shit out of the Falcons. Yeah. Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn are unblockable. Right. Second half, third down screen to Coleman was huge. Huge. Still not in love with anything in the Falcons game plan, but fucking they. They always play hard and compete and have good players. Matt Ryan was the difference in this game, and Sarkeesian had two awesome screen calls on third down. Huge play 
plays, and it was the same screen. Yes, it was. Same screen, great timing of them. Uh, it shows you that he had great preparation and the fact that he had a good feel for what the Rams might do in some of those third-down situations. So I always give respect to the play caller there. Uh, the offense, yes, it still just calls plays, and they just hope, hey, we got playmakers, and hopefully somebody will make a play. The, I, I will stand by this a hundred times. The Rams were the better football team on the field. The Rams won the physical war. The Farrell Cooper fumbles were killers. And then added to the fact that third down, that was a third and ten, Ogletree one-on-one on Tevin Coleman. That was the 16-play drive that they ended up getting the field goal. That really oh, was that the, was the eight-minute drive that to start was the second exactly half? right. That was that Ogletree drive. just didn't make the tackle. No, he was there, and he just, he just missed it. There's no other way to say it. And... Um, that was, the, to me, the biggest turning point in the game because the Rams' defense, I felt, was like kind of tired going into that drive. And then that that was like, him. oh, shit, we've been on the field way too long. Right. Right. All right, right, so you left very impressed with Matt Ryan and Deion Jones. I would argue that Matt Ryan's had a better year this year than last year. Yeah, you talked about that on Monday. Yeah, I really would. I mean, he's made more physical, gifted plays, and he's just, ma- he's just winning. He's just going, fuck, I'll make this play. we got to win. And, and, and I, I have respect for that. Last one, Jaguars offense. Bills defense. Oh, oh this gosh. is fun. Bills, for the most part, playing three-man press bail, seven or eight guys in the box, and just didn't let wide receivers get behind the cornerbacks. Bills said no to shallow crossers and screen. Is the Bills' defensive philosophy tougher for the Jaguars than the Steelers? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Jags have to run on the edge more, can't always go up in the middle. I still think Fournette is hesitant to cut on his right leg, and Tredavious White dropping that interception was a game changer, caught everything all year. Which one do you want to focus on? Jags have to go to the edge, Fournette not being able to cut, or the Bills' defensive philosophy tougher on the Jaguars than maybe the Steelers? Leave that last, the the last part. The Fournette thing, and I've made some calls too. Fournette's beat up. He does. He's got issues. It's more than just that. It's a few other lower body issues too so I do think there's maybe a little more there than what sure. we're like but yes I, I watched Fournette he's not the same guy as early in the year you know that I know that we're all watching yeah he's still really good um he cannot really totally cut off that right leg I think he makes a lot of left leg cuts even when he wants to go left which <laughs> is not normal um but they can't just smash him up in the middle every time they got to find a few more creative runs on the edge I mean their biggest runs were him on, on the, the outside edge. right and back just, to back runs on the right exactly so and I've said that a few times in my notes throughout the year. They've got to do that just a little bit more to keep teams off balance. Um, now, getting to the other thing with the defense. Bills defensive philosophy. We said this before the game. You, we did. That yep. the Bills sit back and make you play in front of them right. and can kind of feast on your mistakes. Right. What do the Steelers do that makes it easier for Bortles than the Bills? Okay, so th- this would be my just my two cents. Um, and not to say that this is total 100% correct, but I just think it's a broad evaluation of what I would think here. The Bills, McDermott, they watch film and they go, they do this and this. We're gonna take it away, right? That's the Which kind of the Belichick model, right? It's the kind of defense. That's their defensive approach. Oh, he likes to throw shallow crosses and screens. That's their most successful play. Well, screw that. That's the one thing we're not gonna let them do. We're gonna be all over that crap and then see if they can beat us with some of their B and C and D plus type right. of plays. Okay. The ones they don't practice as much, right? Pittsburgh, their philosophy is a little different. Pittsburgh doesn't necessarily like they're gonna know players you like to go to, but Pittsburgh's theme is this. It's more like we're going to do this crazy creative stuff and we're going to see if you can handle it and react mm. to it and to see how what kind of game plan you can come up to mess with us. We're going to be the enforcers of the tempo of this game. What's funny is Bortles doesn't – they're not reacting. Bortles is like, well, I like to throw the outcut here. 
Yeah, yes, but but I'm just saying what hap- what can happen is Pittsburgh's in a Pittsburgh can go for the jugular at times where they're going to go, we know this stuff, we know what they're going to do. I'm going to bring five week and we're going to sack fumble a, a Bortles or we're going right. we're going to make a third and twenty. And what happens within that sometimes when you go for the kill like that, two guys get stuck in the same gap and all of a sudden a run goes up the middle for 40 yards or, uh, yes, somebody messes up or slips in coverage. and or you they go, call the right screen at the right time. The right, or they call the right shallow cross and you had the two linebackers blitzing that way and now the shallow cross is wide open. You go, damn, how do you get that open? Well, that, that's just the difference in philosophies. I'm not saying that Pittsburgh won't break them down and go, oh, we know this is what they like to do. Yeah. But they're going to be – they're more the enforcers where, yeah, Buffalo is more of like – we're going to take away your staples, and we're just not, we're going to execute, and we don't think you can execute. You wrote the Bills, the bootlegs are the only thing they stole from the 49ers to face the Jags, and the Jaguars are all over it. It's funny. It's comical. I mean, they had so many people at times. I want to be like, damn, you got six people guarding two. Like, somebody go up and tackle Tyrod Taylor. Stop letting him draw this play out to the sideline as he keeps running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, it, it was just the perfect example of, you know, I even got mad at Romo during the game because he said that. Like, yeah, they took boots against San Boots were like part of the plan because he had, you know, Kyle had already mental fucked Jacksonville with nine other things that they were worried about. To then they said, oh shit, we got to worry about the boots too. Right. Damn. You know, and they, they came into the game going, well, they struggled against the boots a few weeks ago. They won't be ready for this one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You said Ramsey and Bouye are very good tacklers. You said Marcel Darius and Avery Jones were great. Great. I thought Avery Jones was fantastic. Yes, I went, he was. Oh, he's the second line guy. Right. And Marcel, now he starts. Yeah, he does start. And then Marcel starts. When they, that's what I'm going to be interested. They, Marcel, when they put Calais, uh, Marcel and Avery. And, yeah, they go Marcel and Avery at D tackle, and they go Malik and Calais Campbell Holy at DN. Crap! Right, and Jacksonville, I thought played more. You know how I've always said they stunk said too they much. They played straight up. They played more straight up, which is going to be big for this week because if they think they're going to do like slants and stunts against Le'Veon Bell, then they're going to get run on. And you wrote two things that scared you about the Steelers: Jags running cover four. Why are the Jags playing cover four? You better watch that shit versus Pittsburgh. Yeah. And you also wrote almost every big run for the Bills was at the bubble. That was the other Kyle Steelers likey. Yeah, Steelers likey. So start with the cover four. Well, cover Steelers likey. Cover four for any good throwing aggressive downfield quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, it just presents itself to have tremendous opportunities to take shots down the field. One-on-one. The safeties in cover four, really their first two steps are taught to come downhill to stop the run, right? Mm. Where you could have like a Bouye versus Martavis Bryant 50-50 ball. Exactly right. So there you are. Now you got Jalen Ramsey. Maybe he misses the jam or Bouye misses the jam at the line of scrimmage. Now they're stuck on the outside of the receiver. Ben runs a play-action fake. The safeties came up. Now there's nobody in the middle of the field, 40 yards down the uh, field. So I don't care who you are, Deion Sanders covering Josh Fendrick, it's going to be hard with all that room, even though he'd probably get it done and knock it down. But yes, I just that would be something I would watch out for. And then for. running the bubble is where the defensive tackle is. Right, the bubble, the I know, nose, the, I know, the, the bubble down. screws people up all because the time. Because the bubble sounds like a hole, yes. but it's not a hole. It, it, no, the bubble is the fact that there's nobody on the guard, right? Because right. it's to the side of the shade nose tackle. The nose tackle is edged on, like, let's say, the left shoulder of the center. Then there's nobody over the guard. 
and he has nobody over him on the on, on the gap to his so left either. You're running at the shade nose, pretty much. You're running at the shade. And that's nose. where the big no, the runs were. The, for all LeSean. their big runs, and that's what happened against San Had Francisco. Had no one too. done that before San Francisco? Not as much. This was because you're kind of taught to run away from the nose tackle. Well, yeah, and you you know that, and I think the thing that's happened with Jacksonville too is just teams have finally just gone. Well, at least this gives us a chance against these guys because what you do is at least get a center guard double team on that shade nose, and then a lot of times what happens is the guard now can get off of that block because he can go, oh, I helped you, center. Now, center, you block him, and then I'll get up to the linebacker and do things like that to where it gives them a chance. Uh, Speaking of offensive line, update from the BR app saying that the Seahawks are parting ways with Tom Cable. There we go. I raised that last segment. (laughs) Tom Cable's not going to be the OC. How could he have been? Big changes. Yeah. Yeah, big changes. I I just would have been shocked. Like, what? They haven't blocked anybody in three years, but we're going to make them the offensive coordinator. It is time for iTunes, but there's something big happening via Instagram and my DMs. Just got this today, and I've never been more excited for my life. This is from Thomas underscore White 14. Adam, first off, want to say love the podcast, and Sims and yourself are underrated. Should be on TV. Don't need TV. We're on the internet. <laughs> love the work you all do. However, as the mush, me and my fiance are expecting expecting a child in September. I need you to use your mush powers to tell me what I'm having. If you say boy, we're probably going to have a girl. And if you say girl, it's going to be a boy. There's a lot riding on this. We'll be listening in. Much love from West Virginia. You and Sims are the fucking best. Sims Thomas. and Lefko gender reveals. Can we can we can we get a picture of the I'm, belly? I'm getting a picture right now. This is going to be of the couple. Uh, this looks like them right here. Go make your first reading first, so you can. No, you tell us what you think it's going to be first. All right, so I'm looking right now. Uh, here is a picture of them by a waterfall, and he first comments, "I don't understand what I've done to have this girl in my life. I am going to." So hold on. So if I say girl, it ends up being a boy. It's a boy. It's a girl. I believe that they are going to have a girl. Really? Wow, you really want him to have a boy, huh? This guy. Uh, All right, so maybe he wants a girl. Maybe you're wrong. Here you go. Let me see. That's them by the waterfall. What do you think, Sims? Are they having a boy or a girl? Well, I wish I could see the baby bump because don't they always say there's like something to the bump, right? But if it's like a little lower, it's is a that girl. What they say they do. There is like know. a philosophy there that like there's a different holding of boy That's and good girl. To know. Right. I'll keep that in mind. Right. I don't know. Okay. I got, I got no baby bumps. They look like a boy. It looks like a boy couple to me. I don't know why I'm saying that. So that, that. means we agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm right. Wink, wink. <laughs> All right. So I believe it's a girl. Wink, wink. And Simmons believes it's a boy. Yeah. What do you think, Fendrick? I'll, I'll side with the mush. I'll say it's going to be a girl. <clears throat> <laughs> to old Thomasina. <clears throat> That's exciting. I never had to do a gender reveal. There you go. Congratulations. Good segment. Having, I like that. You're having a girl. Any more pregnant fans? Left yeah. go can predict for you. That's that's my job. I'll reverse predict what you're going to have. All right, let's go to iTunes. First one up, best part of my week, Jay Rayback. Hey, guys, lifetime Jags fan hey. out here in Ohio. Love the pod. The NFL weekend recaps. I've got my week going smooth. Um, Sims, question for you. This past weekend, can you name, after this past weekend, can you name the four quarterbacks in the past 30 years that have won a playoff game with less than 100 yards passing? 
Also, do you believe the Jags will draft a quality quarterback at the end of the first round? Lefko, sorry about Carson Wentz. Oh, thank you. That Jay was very Lenek. nice to him. I think that they will sign Car- Kirk Cousins. Okay. Uh, that would be my guess. And then quarterbacks Ooh. that have won a playoff game less, less than, than 100. 100 yards. I looked it up on Pro Football Reference. And we're not counting Bortles. And I have four. So four other than Bortles. Okay. I got to believe Trent Dilfer. Nope. Darn it. Jim McMahon? Nope. So the ones that I came up with yeah. that I found, 2010 against San Diego. Who would have done that? 2010 against, oh, that was the Jets, right? Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. That was the Miss Cromartie tackle, and then he ended up on the Jets the next year. Uh, 2005 mm. against the Rams. 2005. Playoff game against the Rams. Wait, hold on. I was in these playoffs, so hold on a second here. No, you were in the 06 playoffs. Oh, well, yeah, see, I don't do You don't, that's wrong. It's 05 is 05. Okay, so then 04 playoffs o- against the Rams. 04 playoffs against the Rams. Okay, that was, damn, he, 0- He's known for running. Uh, oh, it was Atlanta? Mike Vick. It was, huh? Uh, 2000. Game. Yeah. 2000. That would have been the year the Rave. Oh, no, that was not, that was the next year. 2000. 99. It was the 99 season. He's just a stupid mother. Uh, let's see. 99 season. You're just going to tell me 2000? You're not going to like... Uh, against the team that it just happened to. Oh, it was against the Bills. The Tennessee Titans? Ch- McNair? There you go. So you have to say the name. <laughs> oh, I'm not okay. just going to give it to the team. Damn, that was... They didn't... They really that didn't was move the, the ball. La- yeah. That was the mir- Music City Miracle. And then there's one other one in the 05 season. Wow, another one in the yeah. 05 season. 05 season. So this was Sims Playoffs. Oh, Sims Pla- it's Ben Roethlisberger. Nope. It was Mark Brunel against you oh guys. Oh my gosh, you're right. The, the playoff <laughs> game that you lost, Mark Brunel did not throw for 100 yards. Yes. That just, just hurts me. That game. Gosh damn. <laughs> Moving on. You blacked it out of your memory. Fucking A. I should have remembered that. But yeah, because they, my first pass of the game, we were backed up at the one-yard line. I threw. I was throwing a deep out route to Joey Galloway. He's open. I'm going to complete it. The ball got tipped in the air by a D lineman. Lavar Arrington intercepted it, returned it to the one yard line, fumbled, re-recovered. You couldn't review fumbles at that time, so that was our first fuck job of that game. The next drive, they didn't. The next drive was Cadillac Williams up the middle. We're driving down the field on them. We're on the 40 yard line. Cadillac is on the ground. He fumbles, but he's in a pile of bodies. Sean Taylor picks it up, runs 60 yards for a touchdown. So all and re- you can't challenge. That you can't challenge it either, and you couldn't. No, you could challenge that. The other one, he was ruled down by contact. This one, he was not. But there were so many bodies you around, see. you couldn't see him. And so now we're down fourteen nothing. And then you had the challenge at the and end. And then of the we game. had the Adele Shepard, Calvin Johnson rule. Can you believe that game, man? That was that was oof. As an athlete, when you know you're the better team and you lose, it is the worst. It'll just it never leave. Son of a bitch. Good good stuff there. <laughs> that there, was Jay good stuff. Rayback. Jay Rayback. Ginger Ninja 425. Best podcast ever. I love these guys. Been listening since last offseason. Haven't missed an episode. Nice. Haven't left a review out of pure laziness, but I had to bring something up. How to fix replay. Got to put a clock on it. If a referee can't decide the call on the field was absolutely wrong in 30, 60, or even 90 seconds, there's something wrong. I like that. It should only take a short amount of time to either agree with your fellow referee or change the call on the field. Indisputable evidence, plain and simple. Plain LOL. and simple. I like it. Uh, and you're that's perfectly fine to be lazy and not leave an iTunes review, so don't worry about that. But I, I, I think that would be actually a great way to do it. It's out of hand. 
It's out of hand. I love football, and I'm just saying, Wild Card Weekend was unwatchable at times. I mean, the games would never freaking end. Where oh, it's a 12 minute review to see if he dragged his foot in. Like, get the hell out of here. We have to change this. We're talking about we're trying to appeal to a young audience of millennials uh, who who look at nine different things at the same time. You have a 10 minute review. It's never going to be good. Dpeg 23 is proving Why to is everybody. Hiding? What did he show you? He was just showing me how long we've been. Because oh, he's obsessed. It's long. Yeah. Uh, DPEG 23 showing us how hard wildcard predictions are. He yeah. says, Look, I've learned a lot. I'd like to compare. And if I beat you guys, I'd like to be on the show. Well, he didn't beat us. He had the Saints beating the Panthers 27 21. He had the Rams beating the Falcons. He had the Chiefs beating the Titans. And he had the Jaguars beating the Bills by 14. So he went 2 and 2, just like me. DPEG 23, I appreciate you. I love you a lot. But now you know how hard it is to predict games. <laughs> it is hard. It is not easy. Yep. Uh, this is F. This is about the Seahawks. Dylan Post. Postuma, question for Sims. Love the show. Screw that mainstream crap. You guys bring the truth. Um, I also love the show with Papa Phil and how he always refers to Sims as Christopher. You should start calling him that. My question for Christopher. What should the You're f- allowed to. I don't let everybody call me Christopher. Yeah. What should the Seahawks' first priority be in rebuilding? Who on the D should they keep and who should they trade? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um uh, gosh, they definitely have to rebuild. We know that. They certainly, just just a broad look, I mean, need another offensive lineman or two uh, on that side of the ball. They're going to have to get a little bit younger on the defensive line as well. Not that they need a lot of pieces there. I mean, Sheldon Richardson's certainly still there. Frank Clark, they're going to be good staples. But you are coming to the end of the Michael Bennett era and Cliff Averill. So they need a lot of holes. They, have a, they, need the a, receivers. they need a to- Right. I, I would be interested to see, I mean, Cam Chancellor, it doesn't sound like he's ever going to play again. Averill doesn't sound like that's going to free up money for them. That's at least a good thing about that. Uh, Sherman's going to be the interesting thing, right? I mean, Achilles tear, what that was about halfway through the year. I mean, he's not going to be like 100% Richard Sherman for the start of the year. He'll be starting and playing. But no, this is a team that um, needs a major overhaul. I don't know. I, you know, we'll get into this more specifically when we get into free agency, but you need help with your bet. Man. Damn. Not every position, really. Crazy. I mean, linebackers really. Them and KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner are still playing at an extremely high level. I'll still remember when I did a video with you after the Seahawks beat the Broncos, and we said, "Could this become a dynasty?" Man. Uh, staying in the NFC West, this so is close. Eric Easy E, all-time greatest. Good fo- football podcast out there, but nothing comes close to you guys, the real white boy Supremes, talking about stuff the mainstream media won't touch. How do you see the NFC West panning out next season? If you were the Niners, what position would be the most important to address in free agency? Hashtag and Jimmy G we trust. Yeah. Next season, well, the Seahawks sound like they're going to have a down year. Arizona, I mean, who knows what their identity is going to be. And they're in rebuild. You know, yes. The Rams will be there. So it sounds like it's the Rams and Niners. I'm pumped. I mean, forget that I know these guys and Kyle's my friend. I mean, I'm, I'm really legitimately my, pumped for I this. I would probably go Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals. Damn, yeah. I'm not going to put – I can't know if I can put the Seahawks that low. Uh, I might go Rams, Seahawks – I don't know. I probably just maybe, I want to see their offense. I would probably go Rams, Niners, Seahawks too. Just right now, if we had a pick, I would say yeah, that's the way it's going to be. I have more faith in the two guys running the running the show with the Rams and the Niners right now than you know. Hey, Seattle can't be king forever. Yeah. Um, uh, what the, position would you address the most? Oh if you're the Niners? man, they definitely need offensive line help. Now the tackles are okay, but two guard center that's an issue. Um, 
Man, they're, you know, again, this is another team that they have a ton of money. They need a lot of things, okay? Uh, I, I would argue, even though their D-line's got a lot of good pieces, they need a legit pass rusher, like a real pass rusher, like to, to, to literally come off the edge. They don't really have that guy. Solomon Thomas is not going to be that guy. He's going to be more Michael Bennett, right, like we always secondary talk about? Secondary guys. Right. Uh, secondary for sure. Yeah. I mean, they need corners. Uh, they need another linebacker to go along with Reuben Foster. They are going to be able to make a huge overhaul of their team because they got the of their, money too. I think they got like eighty million dollars. We'll, we'll in see money. how much they give to Jimmy right. G. Uh, this guy, gonna, tri- I would be shocked if he doesn't get a marquee receiver. I'm just telling you, just knowing the Kyle Shanahan. It's a great year for free agent wide receivers that fit Kyle's mold. When Is you it? Look at it. There's like, there's like, you know, you, you forget about like the John Browns and the and the right. Who's the guy in Atlanta? The streaker, G- Gabriel. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel. There's right. a lot of guys that aren't the marquee names, right. but then you also have the Landrys. You also have the Allen Robinsons, depending on yeah. his health, that are also there. The, the, Devontae Adams. Right. Well, yeah. He's not anymore. They signed him. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but but those guys, I know, I know I wrote that in my notes. Like the Marquise Goodwins, the Ted Ginns of the world. They're undervalued. They are undervalued. There is a great value to it. Trust me, when people play the Saints and Ted Grin lines up in the snap, I can promise you it lines up close to the, you know, to the, the form. Formation, I can promise you those safeties are not going to come down aggressively in the run game. They're going to go, fuck me, Teddy Ginn's going to be on me in three He's steps, and can I run ESPN. with him? Right. Uh, so this guy, Trent VK, uh, hit us up about the Matt Patricia to the Lions, which mm-hmm. now apparently is going to the Giants. But I guess if you were to have gone to the Lions, you know, what would be your expectations for year one? Uh, I, I, I mean, I would expect them to be very close to where they are right now. It's going to be a playoff de- team. Yeah, they, they are. And, and I would say... Uh, I would really, what I'm interested in, and I don't really know this, is who Matty P would bring in as his OC. That's what I would really be interested to see where he goes there. I don't know if he'd bring somebody from New England with well, no, him. No, he's Jim Bob Cooter. I guess so. If he goes there, he's going to have Jim Bob Cooter. That's what um, it sounds like. But, but the one thing you'll see from a Matty P, maybe compared to a Ter- Terrell Austin, just a more, I love Terrell Austin, and anybody that's listening to this podcast knows that. The. Uh, Matty P, though, will just be more creative in the week-to-week game plans. He will do things that you go, man, we didn't see this on film the last four weeks, but they've done this to us to take away this area. And that's where the beauty of New England comes along. Steve Anzavino asking a question about Jim Caldwell speaking of the Lions. Saying, Any chance he goes back to the Ravens, works on their offense? Well, I would not be shocked. Uh, to work with Marty there again, because they're keeping Marty... You know, Jim Caldwell, he'll find a way. He's very he's well respected and a much better coach than he gets credit for. Yeah, that that'd be a good question too. Like where does he go? Does he end up being an OC? Is he gonna be an assistant head coach? I mean, he's gonna right. be one of those two things. Enrod, uh, this is the last one, twenty thirteen, in the comment section wrote his guesses for starting quarterback for every team in wow. the NFL. The ones that I highlighted. He thinks that the Giants quarterback next year will be Josh Rosen. Mm. He thinks the Cardinals quarterback next year will be Case Keenum. He says the Vikings will have Teddy. The Bills will have Sam Bradford. The Jets will start Baker Mayfield. The Browns will start Sam Darnold. The Jaguars will start Eli Manning or Tyrod Taylor, depending if Eli Manning signs elsewhere. Any of those stick out to you? He had the Redskins. I I, I will be shocked if Eli Manning ends up anywhere else. He has else. Kirk Cousins in the Washington. Boy, Kirk Cousins staying. Um, I will be shocked if Eli Manning plays for anybody else other than the Giants. Like I've told you, I'm not trying to take a shot on Eli. I just have a hard time thinking a team's going to watch film with the Giants and Eli Manning and go, mm, we need him. I just don't see it. Sorry. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's one team. Yeah, that maybe isn't that great at looking at film and understanding the style of their quarterback. That would be the Jaguars. 
Well, yeah, I, I do. I think the Jaguars know. Well, I know. I know. I think the Jaguars know who they are now, though. I, I do that. I do that. And uh, the other thing, the Minnesota thing will be interesting. I mean, because there is a true love affair up there with Teddy Ridgewater. I mean, a love affair. The weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, if they chopped off one of his legs, I still think they'd try to make an excuse to make him the starting quarterback. I mean, that's that's how much they love him. The only him. thing I can add to that, having covered Teddy for three years in Louisville, I know, he's got an amazing, charismatic personality. The, the way people have always talked about yes, Teddy right. is he's incredible. Right, and I'm sure he is. Uh, good to know that your dad, um, you know, he's got your back. With Tony Baselli. He sounded like he was getting like a little like, so wait, did he say that? So should I come down there and pick you up from school? Uh, uh, all right, so we are going to be doing our bets on the betting show for divisional round playoffs. Sims took a bath last week, but he gets 1600 new dollars, and so do I, I to try and compete. I can't you now, though. No, you can. Really? I'm only down... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think I so. lost 800. Good. So you still have a chance. Uh, that is all for now. Uh, a very long and substantial episode 148 for Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good night, everybody. Ooh. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. And we love you very much. Thank you for supporting us. Always check us out on social, at Sims and Lufko. And, of course, check us out on YouTube. Just type in Sims and Lufko to watch the full episode. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you when we're ready to make our bets.